My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Lift him up today. Amen. Can we magnify him today? Yeah, there'll come a day when he will sit on the throne of glory revealed unto all mankind. But this morning we come into this place to magnify him and to exalt him and to see him high and lifted up to exalt the name of Jesus and sit him on the throne of our life, of our world. Lord, we praise you. We exalt you. We extol you. We glorify you today, Jesus. Amen. Would you give the Lord a good hand clap of praise here this morning? Oh, just bless his name. Oh, there was a time, there was a time where the king had to lower that scepter. Amen. For someone to be able to approach that throne. And not lowering that scepter resulted in that individual's demise. But this morning, we're not waiting on a scepter to be lowered. The invitation has been given to whosoever will. Come boldly. Come boldly before the throne of grace this morning. Whatever you have need of today, I assure you, Jesus is well able, well able to accommodate it. Amen. Could you lift him up again? Could you just lift your hands and exalt the name of the one who is great and greatly to be praised? Worthy, amen, worthy is the Lamb, amen. God bless you this morning. Before you're seated, I, I do ask you today a very special prayer request. It's going to be an unspoken one this morning, but if you would, this great body of believers, if you would help me today go to the Lord in prayer for some people that desperately need a, God's touch in their life in a situation that they are facing, if you would, amen, God knows their name, he knows the number of hairs that are on their head, so I ask you right now, amen, to just reach up and reach out, to reach up to Jesus and reach out to them right now, God, we pray for your peace to flood hearts and lives, we pray this morning for you to touch them as only you're able to do, God, for there there is that, that peace that passes under Standing that goes beyond the natural comprehension of man's mind. God, flood souls this morning in the midst of a dire situation. You're able to comfort them and give them solace, and we give you thanks for doing so in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you give him one more hand clap of praise right now? Don't let this be the last one you give him today, but let's give him another one right now. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated this morning. We go to the word of the Lord, and I'll read that, read my text here in just a moment. But I'd like to just start speaking today along this subject matter that we have been impressed to share with you this morning. One of the most recognized statements 
at least to people who are familiar with the Bible and the events in the Bible. If you're not familiar with it, it's not a bad thing per se, unless you've been around a long time. You you should be familiar with it. We'll just, you know, leave it that way. But if you're not familiar with it, it's okay. Uh, you can get familiar with it. But one of the things, one of the statements from the Bible that is a, a very familiar scripture to biblical uh, studied students and individuals that know something about the Word of God was made by a, a man. It came from the lips and the heart of a man named David, the shepherd boy. I'm not speaking about him specifically this morning, but I am speaking from a statement that he made. Because see, when he made that statement that I'm going to reference, he wasn't David the giant killer. In fact, when he made that statement, he was not David the conqueror. When he made that statement, oh, he had had some victories in his life, but when he makes this statement, he was not David the king of Israel. He wasn't the focus of women reveling in victory over the Philistines, revealing Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Now, this, this statement was made before all of that. Before all of that happened, it was made when David was simply a shepherd boy. But his recognition of something greater than himself greater than his personal agenda, goals, ambitions, greater than that, propelled him to become a giant slayer. His recognition of something greater than his own personal agenda propelled him to become a conqueror. His recognition of this, amen, advanced him to become the king of the Israelite nation and the object of that victory song of those ladies as they rejoiced in the victory over the Philistines. Because you see, recognition of the cause of Christ is accelerated by one's relationship with Jesus. The closer you are to God you will automatically be further away from the world. The closer you are to God, the more you'll recognize and acknowledge that his cause is the greatest cause, that there is no greater cause than the cause of Christ. Amen. David recognized this before he became the, the one that we speak about, preach about, that has been written about in so many different instances. As Goliath screamed his challenge to the Israelite nation or army, David was the individual who rose up and asked this simple question, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? And my subject today is esteeming the cause greater than the cares, the greater than the cares of life. Because to recognize that cause of Christ is a greater, that it is a greater cause than the cause, the cares of life. It is greater than any earthly pursuit 
that man would go after. And to make oneself available for that cause, brother, to face and to stare down the gauntlet of what seems impossible and in fact may very well be impossible to man. Jesus said it this way. He said the things that are impossible to man are with man. He acknowledges that they are impossible. And he said the things that are impossible to man, they are, they are possible with God. And to stare down that gauntlet of impossibility and say, my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. My God can do the impossible. To be able to do that requires, amen, not just words that we speak, but a recognition of a greater cause in life. To contend for his cause will propel you to great achievements to greater heights in God. You say, well, will it make me the president of the United States? I don't know that you specifically would want that job right now. But if you did, I'm not telling you that. What I am telling you is there's a greater cause than even that, and that cause is the cause of Christ. And when you recognize that cause and you place that cause above all other goals and, and ambition and personal achievements that you're after, when you do that, you'll grow in grace and in the knowledge of God, and it'll affect your heart and your life and your mind, and everything about you will be better than you ever thought it could possibly be. It won't be because of you it will be because of him to greater heights in God and who among us amen who among us really and truly doesn't want to scale the peaks of greater heights in God the higher you climb the one thing you realize the more dependent I am about upon him when you climb to the heights of Everest if you don't, uh, I mean, and I know there are exceptions to this, okay? I mean, I recognize that. But typically speaking, the higher you get to Everest, the more you're dependent on an outside source for your strength. If you don't have an oxygen bottle, a breathing apparatus, the higher you get, the thinner the air becomes. Uh, the more dependent you become upon that tank uh, of oxygen, the higher you become in God, the higher you climb in God, the closer you get to God, the more you realize I need him more than anything else in life because without him, I can do nothing. Amen. Our text this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm in Colossians. Not quite sure how that happened, but easy enough to get over to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward." By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Amen. We speak of Moses this morning, a man who esteemed the cause greater than the cares. 
This accounting that we read in Hebrews chapter 11 of Moses' faith gives us a clear understanding of his love, his respect for God and for God's people. His God, his people. He, he had this, this compulsion, this driving force. Once his eyes were opened, he realized there is a, there's something greater than just being a, a prince in Egypt land. There's something more, there's something greater than whatever attainments or accomplishments that I might uh, accomplish in this present situation. No, this, this recognition of this greater cause propelled him to become something that he had never imagined perhaps for himself to be. You see, he was raised in the lap of luxury. He could have easily chosen to remain in the position of prestige and power that was afforded him as being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He could have chose that. How many, sadly, would choose riches of this world over the riches of Christ? How sadly would it, is it that many would esteem those riches or the, the very reproach of Christ to not be worth the, the riches that this world can afford you? the pleasures of sin, the things that we'll talk about a little bit. But this man, Moses, saw clearly something that was far bigger and greater than his position in Egypt. Yeah, he could have chose the luxury, but he saw the cause. He could have chose his own agenda, but he saw the cause. He could have esteemed that uh, uh, personal advancement as being more important than the cause, and he could have remained almost anonymous to us, uh, not a man who was used by God in such a mighty way to lead Israel out of bondage, to become a, uh, a savior of sorts to them, leading them out. I know he didn't cleanse them from their sin, but he was the one that God used to lead them out of Egypt land. This accounting gives us an understanding of, of his love and respect for God, for God's people. Amen. Moses saw the cause. And even as David, when he was yet a shepherd boy, saw the cause, David or uh, Moses saw the cause while he was yet robed in his princely garments or warrior's garments of Egypt land. He was still on the outside an Egyptian to all accounts. I mean, I know, we know that he was an Israelite by birth, but to uh, many that did not know the history of him being found uh, on the riverbanks in a little basket by Pharaoh's daughter, to them he was just this, this great man who was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But while he was yet in the flesh, while he was yet in the flesh, he saw the cause. Robed in the garments of Egyptian royalty, seeing his Israeli brethren beaten by an Egyptian soldier, he kills him. He kills him. And I don't know if all of you were here Wednesday night 
to hear the message that Bishop Kinsey preached. But if you weren't, you missed it. If you haven't listened to it, please do so. You will be helped and blessed. But in the flesh, Moses killed a man, an enemy. In the spirit, he conquered an army. One man's obedience gave place to one of the greatest events, one of the greatest deliverances in the annals of Israeli history. In fact, in the annals of history itself. One man's obedience. Moses said yes to God, and God used him to lead millions of people out of bondage to the promised land, through the wilderness, through the adversity, through the, all of the troubles and trials that came their way. God used him to lead Israel to a place of promise that he had made to the Israelite nation. One man, one man. I want to encourage somebody here today, please don't become critical at a perceived lack of involvement by others. That's between them and God. That's just between them and God. You just, just know that, know this, and, and, and I'm, let me finish the scripture before you charge me, but, but the Bible does say one man can put a thousand to flight. Now, I'm not still going to stop right there. But when you think about that, if you could put a thousand to flight, that's a pretty good accomplishment. One man can do that, but two men can put 10,000 to flight. So it's greater to have that agreement among ourselves uh, so that we can see the victory that God has provided for the church. You do, and I know you do, you realize God's already provided the victory for the church. Uh, he just needs somebody to say, hey, uh, God, I'll join up uh, with the spirit of agreement. I'll bind together with my brother and with my sister, and we will see victory, not because of our ability, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. Spirit, Lord. Amen. All in one accord is still and should be the pursuit, the expectation of the people of God. All in one accord. I know, you know, you say, it's easy to say, well, we'll never have that. Man, get out of here with that. If you don't strive for it, you'll never have it. But I can tell you this, if you'll pursue it, if you'll make yourself uh, the one that says, oh, I'll turn the other cheek uh, if it's going to advance the church, if the cause uh, is bigger than your personal feelings or agenda, brother, you'll find yourself saying, hey, this is just uh, peanuts compared uh, to what the kingdom of God is all about. And yes, I'll suffer affliction if it be necessary to see the church uh, advance to the place uh, that God can use it in the facet that he so desires. If you desire to be used by God in any shape, form, or fashion, would you just give him a good hand clap of praise today? At whatever expense, God, at whatever expense, I want the kingdom to advance. I want the kingdom to grow. 
I want my brother to prosper. I want my sister to prosper. I want souls to be saved. I want want waters to be troubled. I want uh, people to be delivered from their bondage and set free from the captivity of addictions. I want the church to rise up in the hour that we're in and shine forth with the power of that bright light, amen, that brings us out of darkness into it. All in one accord should be, should still be a pursuit of all born-again Christians. Amen. We get back to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He simply declared, you know what? I am not an Egyptian. I am not. Hey, I may be in the world, but I am not of the world. I have been brought out of darkness into this marvelous light. And consequently, amen, I'm going to fulfill the exhortation of the writer. And I am going to show forth praises unto him who has brought me out of darkness into this marvelous light. Oh, hey, that darkness is powerful. But the light shines brighter than the darkness. And it overcomes that darkness. Thank God for the light of this glorious gospel that he has brought us into today hallelujah to the lamb we have been delivered by the power of God by the blood of the lamb cleansed from our sin we have every reason in the world to exalt our God Amen. Don't give in to a spirit of intimidation that wants you to hold your peace. Amen. Let me encourage you today. Defy the spirit that says hold your peace and rise up and declare great is the Lord and greatly to be praised is our God. Man, when you realize that you've been brought out of darkness into this marvelous light, Amen. I, I, I just, you know, it just kind of begins to get all over me, all down in my hands and my feet and my heart and my mind and my spirit because I know the power of the chains of darkness. You know, the Bible speaks of those chains that may be unseen by the natural eye, but they wrap their tentacles around individuals and bind them in their sin, in darkness. But God said, hey, I came to bring you out of darkness into this marvelous light and that you could show forth praises unto him who has brought you out to bring you in to a relationship with God. Oh, would you give him another good hand clap of praise unto him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything in the world in its corrupted state and ideology Amen. No, we don't embrace it. We don't act upon it. We don't believe it. No, Moses said, no, no, that's, that's not for me. That's not for me. There's a greater cause. It is imperative that we be not selfish or self-centered. When we make everything about ourself, we lose sight of his cause. We place the importance on our cause which will quickly lead you and I to entertaining all kinds of things, innuendos, suppositions, even perhaps outright lies. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, 
It's imperative that this cause takes precedent over all the cares of life. You know, you have this promise and this consolation. God said he shall supply all your needs according to his riches which are in glory. You say, well, why do I have to work? Well, he said he that won't provide for his own is worse than what? So we work. And yet God gives us the strength and the ability and he opens doors and he opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessings uh, that there's not room enough to contain it. You say, I don't know how I got that promotion. Uh, amen. There were people that were better qualified than me. Uh, but you know what? I got the promotion. Well, just open your eyes and recognize that God promoted you in your situation because that's just the way God works. When you put his cause above your personal cares, I promise you, he'll elevate you. He will elevate you to greater heights and accomplishments in him. Amen. So Moses refused because there are, to live for God, there are things you simply have to say no to. It's real easy, it's not complicated. You just say no. You just say no. When the de devil tempts you to do something wrong or to speak a cross word, you just say no. You say, well, that's real easy. No, it, it, you're right. It really is. You just say no. You just, you know, if they cut you off in traffic, don't try to cut them off in traffic. Pray for them. Pray for them. Don't be sitting there thinking, boy, if I had a tank, I'd run them right off the road. You know why I can reference that thought? Because <laughs> I've had to repent before. <laughs> I'm right off the road. No. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. But uh, you just make a choice. You make a choice to love. You make a choice to forgive. You make a choice to be long-suffering. Because you know everybody's not as perfect as some people think they are. I, can I do this? Man, I, I love Bishop Kinsey. <laughs> he is awesome. But uh, I like that. A amen? Amen. Amen. We must choose. We must choose not to, to uh, or, uh, we, we, that's our next point, is we must choose. Moses chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season because there is this reality. Sin has pleasure that accompanies it. It's why in many cases it is difficult to get people to recognize the true danger of sin because they're just enjoying themselves. Moses said, no, I, 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 I'm choosing not, not to enjoy the pleasure of sin. I'm not going to. Because you see, the thing about sin, it is a destroyer. The thing about sin is that it destroys lives, it destroys relationships, and ultimately it will destroy your soul. What value can you place on your soul? If you could hold it in your hand and look at it, and let me tell you, in, in the spiritual realm, you really can you have the ability to say, it's, I, 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 can, I can choose God and the cause of God, or I can choose the flesh and carnality and the pleasures of sin. 
You have that right. God gives it to you. We must choose daily to identify with the people of God, both outward and inward. We're a separated people. Amen. I've always called it integrated separation. It's an oxymoron. Integrated separation. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm in it. But, brother, I'm sitting here with all that we can. We are in it, but with all that we have, all the ability, all the strength, fortitude, faith, love, and compassion trying to tell somebody about Jesus. Hallelujah. A God that will deliver them from their sin. How many people have I talked to that say, I just can't seem to get the victory over this particular issue, whatever it may be. And there are many who have said it. Well, in and of your Yourself, you may not be able to discipline yourself uh, to be able to be free from that uh, oppression or that that habit or that uh, that possess that oppression that comes your way. But let me tell you, Jesus won't just allow you to be disciplined; He will deliver you from that addiction. He will set you free from that bondage when you choose to say, "My God is able to do these things," and His cause becomes my cause he can deliver you he will deliver you I know we say he can I'm sitting here telling you he will he will deliver you but you must choose to identify with the people of God amen Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he had recompense of the reward he placed value upon his choice a man who had all the world's best at his fingertips, at his disposal. The riches of, of Egypt are almost unparalleled. Tombs that have been opened have found gold. I mean, gold esophaguses that were for children. Small little coffins overlaid with gold, valued 20, 30 years ago valued at a quarter million dollars. That was just one, one thing in these tombs, in these sphinxes or whatever you want to call them. And Moses turned his back on every bit of that. And he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He placed value upon his choice. You see, what he did, he did not see the choice as giving up something that was better than what he was choosing. Amen. Some people say, well, if I live for God, I got to give this up and give that up and give this up. Hey, let me assure you, if you make a choice to live for God, all you're giving up is the, is the frail things of this world, the temporary things of this world that are going to be consumed with a judgmental fire. But if you say yes to God, man, you've got the Holy Ghost. You get the Holy Ghost. You get the promises and riches of a God who is unsurpassed in his provision. Would you give him praise again today? Amen. You got to place value on the choice you make. 
Man, it's the best decision I ever made was to repent of my sin, to bow my knee in an altar, to be baptized in the only name under heaven whereby you must be saved. The greatest choice I made was to say yes to God and no to the world. And I tell you the same thing this morning. It'll be the best choice you'll ever make. The best choice you'll ever make is to make his cause your cause. Moses didn't see giving up any. He didn't give up anything. He gained everything. Gained everything. And he valued that choice. It's, it's tough sometimes when you hear people talk about what they've given up. My goodness. If I told, I, 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 well, I don't have time. I gave up. I gave up some things I don't even want to talk about. It's just as well. But no matter what else you would accomplish in life, whoever you are that's here today pursuing, pursuing after the, what the world deems to be successful. You know, how you define success will determine what you pursue. If you define success in accordance with what this world calls success, then you are going to pursue worldly things, worldly endeavors, worldly pursuits. But if you esteem, if you consider true success to embrace God and to embrace his cause, then, then you will, you will be the winner, the winner. No matter what else you accomplish, whatever, whatever you accomplish in life, whether you bow your knee today or whether you bow it later, and I will say this, you will bow your knee. Why wait till then? Just go ahead and do it now. Just go ahead and live for God now. Just go ahead and exalt him now. Just go ahead and make his cause your cause right now because you will bow your knee. You won't resist him in that day. Why resist him this morning? Just make him the center of your life and enjoy, amen, the power and presence of God every single day. But if you don't place value on this choice, brother, there'll be things that'll call your name. Come back. Come back. There's pleasure here. There's this. There's that. But when you value this, brother, you'll see that as the pig pen that it is and as the vomit of a dog that it is because there's no greater, greater life. There's no greater life than living for God. Moses had respect Amen. He had respect unto the recompense of the, of the reward. That word respect right there, I know how we construe it. Amen. What Moses did and what it, what it is interpreted as from the original Greek text is to look away from everything else and concentrate. It means to focus on one thing, to intently regard it. To say this is what I've been looking for. This is the best 
that I've ever experienced. Oh, hallelujah. This is that. Oh, yeah, it is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, and it'll satisfy every desire of your heart. You'll never find satisfaction at the end of a bottle, amen, or at the end of a needle. But I tell you this, if you bow your knee and repent and get baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sin, and God fills you with the Holy Ghost, you'll know what real satisfaction is all about. Moses fastened his eyes on the task at hand, and he pressed, pressed toward the mark. The mark, a collective pursuit of a common objective, collective. Collectively, we're pursuing. It is also an individual pursuit of an ordained purpose. God has for you. Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He didn't really care at that point. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. It is never recorded, never recorded that Moses, in all the things that he faced, it's never recorded in all the criticism, all the rebellion, the wilderness, you name it, everything he experienced, it just simply isn't recorded that he ever said, would to God, I was back in Pharaoh's house. He made a choice. He, he had respect towards the reward. And he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. Every long mile, every heartache, every trial, every, every situation that comes my way, it is worth it to serve God. Amen. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Lock your gaze on his promises. Be still and know that he is God. Man, Moses set his eyes on Canaan, locked his gaze there, never looked back, never looked back. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, reaching forth under those things which are before. See, if, if you got the past in your rearview mirror, there'll always be that hand that's dragging behind. But when you forget those things which are behind and reach forth under those things that are before, brother, it's like a, a clamoring. It's like a clawing. It's like I got to get there over every obstacle and every trial, everything that might come my way. I have got to get to that place. Reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. M Moses fixated his eyes on the promise of God and not on the problems that came his way. Amen. Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. Because, you know, it's one of the things about life. There will be times, there will be events, there will be happenings. There will be controversies, there will be issues, there will be misunderstandings that we have to determine and resolve within ourselves to endure. Not begrudgingly, but with joy. You see, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the shame of the cross. He saw you and he saw me. He saw the church, the apple of his eye, 
and the joy that that brought to him, amen, inspired him. That joy that he saw, it compelled him as he set his face to go to Calvary. He endured the shame for that joy. He saw the church invisible at that moment in time in all of its glorious splendor. You realize that we are part of something that God looks at and he says, boy, that's my bride right there. If you can remember back or think back, amen, if you, uh, to that day when you married your bride, amen, what a, what a joy was in your heart. What a euphoric feeling came over you. I remember looking through the, the back doors of our church, amen, and seeing my wife standing there framed in a, in a double, double wide door if you will the doors were open and she was standing there with a preacher that was about to bring her in and I was just looking back at her and I just took and did a little wave like that and I thought oh the bride the bride of the bridegroom the bridegroom waving at the bride saying you are the apple of my eye you are beautiful you are glorious and God sees you as such no matter how you see yourself defeat the enemy and say my God sees me as his bride his bride that beautiful glorious blood-bought blood-washed church amen i see the bride and what we do is we see him who is invisible to this naked eye no i haven't i haven't seen him in a dream i haven't seen him in a vision i've seen him sweep over a congregation but he was invisible I've seen him touch lives in such a way that, that tears begin to course down that person's face when they realize, oh, I, I don't have to live the way I used to live. I don't have to be the person that I used to be. There's a God that will forgive me. He's not he's sitting on the throne of judgment to destroy me. He's standing there with arms open wide saying, whosoever will, let him come. Amen unto me. Amen. See the invisible God. In your perspective, your prayer, your life, see that invisible God. See him high and lifted up. See him glorious, mighty to save, ready, ready. God is ready to save. Amen. Moses kept moving in the right direction against every opposing force. So too can we do the exact same thing. We can keep moving in the right direction by beholding the face of him who may be invisible to us right at this moment. I can't see him like I can see you, Brother Wilson, but I see him. I see him. I see him in you. I see him in the glow of the Spirit of God, the smile on your face. And, and no, that's not all that it takes uh, to see God in a person, the kindness, uh, the love, the compassion, the mercy. There's so many things uh, that are, are representative and witnesses uh, of God in us. Uh, and let us endeavor to be that type of a witness to our world uh, and see him who is invisible. But remember this, one day face to face we're going to see him as he is. Oftentimes doing the right thing doesn't seem convenient or easy, and the truth be told, it may not be. But that's where enduring comes in. That's where purposing in your heart to remain, uh, amen, steadfast in your faith and remain uh, steadfast in your integrity towards God. It's what allows you to keep moving in the right direction. Keep moving in the right direction. The church in Galatia was instructed, and let us, let us not be weary 
in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap. Not might, not possibly, not perhaps, but we shall reap if we faint not. Moses kept. He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Moses remained obedient to God's commandments, and we must endeavor to maintain our commitment to and, and our obedience of the ordinances of God. Jesus said this, and you're welcome to check me if you don't believe me. I know that most of you do, if not all of you, but if you don't, it's okay. Jesus said, if you love me. How many people have I heard through the years say, oh, I love Jesus? But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's that simple. Seven particular steps to placing the cause above yourself. One of them, number one, you can stand. Number one is refusing self. Number two is choosing the cause. Number three is esteeming our choice. Number four is respecting the recompense. Number five is forsaking those things which are behind. Number six is enduring those things that try to pressure us to turn back. And number seven is keeping the principles of righteousness. Are we esteeming his cause greater than the cares of life? greater than the cares of life because I can assure you from experience the cares of life man if you're not careful they can overwhelm you if, if you don't keep your foot on that solid rock of Jesus Christ cares can overwhelm you when the enemy would come in as a flood lead me to that rock that is higher than I. Amen. Would you lift your hands this morning and embrace the presence of God that I feel in this house. Hallelujah. Oh, we exalt you today, Jesus. We bless you today, God. We magnify you this morning, Lord, for you are great and you are greatly to be praised. You're a very present help, Lord, and we give honor and glory to you, Jesus. Wow, they sing, would you just entertain him this morning? hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.